everyone! This is Kate of Fuse 8 and Kate. I just want to let you know we have two quick announcements before we start today's episode. One, we have a Facebook page. Go to facebook.com slash fuse number eight, Kate, which leads me into announcement number two, which is that we are recording our 100th episode live on both Facebook and Instagram. If you've ever wondered what we look like or how we record or just how small my bedroom is, feel free to join us on Monday, August 5th at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Now to your regularly scheduled programming. Two sisters lived on separate sides of the states. One in NYC and the other L.A. They both moved to Chicago and decided to stay. Now here's their playful podcast packed with Kid Lit Parlay. Children's Books. Are they really that great? Talking children's books is with Kate and Fuse 8. Children's Books. Why, what, and how? Fuse 8 and Kate will break it down for you now. You know what I like, Kate? What? Possums. What? Possums are great. You know why possums are great? No. Because they're not rats. They're like bigger rats. But they're not rats. And here's why this is important. I'm making dinner the other night. I look out my back window. There's a possum, broad daylight, walking casually down my backyard. And I was happy about this. You know why I was happy about this? Because it wasn't a rat. A, because it was not a rat. Right. B, it meant that that horrible, disgusting, thick tail I saw disappearing up under my front yard the other day wasn't a rat. I stood at my front window for a good 15 minutes trying to catch <laughs> the giant rat that had hidden under my hostas, and I never saw it. it. Turns out it was just a possum all along. Okay. There's a happy ending to that story. <laughs> right, it's still kind of gross. It's incredibly gross, Yeah. but kind of cute in a weird way. Kind of an ugly cute thing. <laughs> like, you know, and but admittedly they pretend to die and then they make a stink that makes them smell like they're dead. But, Ew. But... It's kind of cute, right? No, no. A little bit cute? I don't know. Tiny bit cute? No. Oh. No. You know what is cute? What? This podcast, Kate. This podcast <laughs> is adorable. And uh, and what's what's this podcast about? Uh, children's picture books, not possums. Cute picture books. Well, sometimes. Sometimes uh, they're not cute at all. I don't know. Last week was pretty darn cute. Well, it was trying too hard, though, right? It's like... When you put that that filter on your on your photos and it makes like the huge eyelashes and it's just too much, man. It's just too much. Yeah, it was yeah. A little, it was a little bit of overdose. It was a little little too much the sugar. Top. That's all that I'm saying. Yeah. But this podcast is just the right amount of sugar. <laughs> it makes the medicine go down, it's like I like to say. So weird. And what do we do on this podcast? We talk about children's picture books and whether they're classics or not. So this week's book, uh, well, this week's book's kind of interesting. So we, well, I mean, let me just pull it out. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna cut to the chase. I'm not even gonna do an intro to it. Like, let me pull this book out here. Booda 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 booda. I'm very fascinated to see if you've ever seen this before. Booda 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 boom. George and Martha. By James Marshall. Does he look familiar to you at all? Like you might have seen a book with the same illustrator at some point in the past. Babar? Nope. I got nothing. Okay. Uh, remember, uh, remember Miss Nelson? Yeah. The same guy! Miss Nelson's back! I guess I kind of can see it in the pupils. Well, and the thing <laughs> is, this was one of his early, early, early books, so it's a, it, his style kind of morphed. Why don't, you, why don't you read that book there? Okay. Yay! While Kate does a read, let's find out what Publishers Weekly said of George and Martha. They said, The secret of Mr. Marshall's success lies not just in the freshness of his sense of the ridiculous, 
but in the carefulness of his control and editorial judgment. So not that long ago, there was this really lovely Arnold Lobel exhibit at the Eric Carle Museum of Picture Book Art. Uh, it was called Seeking a State of Grace, the Art of Arnold Lobel. Now within that exhibit, there was a case. And inside that case was a little birthday book that James Marshall had made for Arnold Lobel's birthday one year. The only page they had visible showed George and Martha involved in this huge debate over whether or not to go to Arnold's party. And I believe that the fact that he lived in Brooklyn was being considered a possible detriment to taking the trip. It is a huge pity that this little book is not available somewhere. Oh well. And we're back. Yes. Hello. Hi. You've met the acquaintance of George and Martha. Martha, yes. I keep wanting to say Marsha. No, it's the president and his wife. This is about his, some hippos. Hippos! Right? How many, fa yes, they are hippos. How okay. many famous hippos can you name? None. Uh, you, you, now you can name two. George and Martha. George and Martha. There you go. Are they famous? Yeah, they're pretty famous, actually. Oh. I would say. Okay. This was the first of their adventures. They had many more. So this book is like a conglomeration of stories. About four? Five. Five. Yes. Five. I do that. <laughs> you read this book. I, I read this book. So it's Not like today. it's like Frog and Toad, where they have like mm -hmm. all these different stories and they put them all in one book. And, and he was super good friends with Arnold Lobel. So there you go. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Yep. So I imagine there's a bunch of books that include a bunch of stories about these two. Oh yeah, it's all George and Martha. I don't know that there is a single named other character in any of the other books. Interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting choice. Okay, well, actually, this book does have a named character. What? But we'll get to okay, it. Okay, I want to see that. Because it's also wrong. Okay, so, wait, what? <laughs> so the first story is about Martha who loves to make split pea soup, mm, which is gross. It's super gross, thank you. And I hate peas pretty much in any form. Oh, I like peas, but I don't care for I them. I don't want them in my soup. Well, no. So... It's interesting because George also hates split pea soup, but he feels bad because he doesn't want to tell Martha that he hates it. We've all been in that position. So, if you like, you really have to say it the very first time. Have you ever hidden food like that you didn't like while you're eating it? While I'm eating it? Yeah, like if you're out to dinner, or if you're at a person's house and you really hate something, it would have. Well, what I try to do is I try not to put it on my plate in the first place, and then my husband will say, "Hey, Betsy didn't get any of the, you know." whatever the cabbage is or whatever it is. And I'll be like, thanks, honey. Like, yeah. So I have just attempted, to, but that is my method is just don't take it or move it around in some way to make it look like you were eating it, but you <laughs> so just you weren't never, that hungry. never like put it into your shoes. No. Cause that's no. George. In that, shoes? That, that's George's go-to is I'm going to put a, the soup in the loafers and she'll think that I drank it all. To be fair, if you don't have a purse, I guess that's a way to go, but you are going to have to wear those shoes at some point. It's weird though, because she sees him do this. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a little awkward. Well. And, but she's like, oh, I don't really like split pea soup either. I just like making it. I'm like, wait, what? I've kind of been in that position. Are there, aren't there foods that you like to make, but you don't particularly like to eat? Like what? I don't know. Soup? <laughs> I feel like there might be something out there. I don't know. So she's like, I hate split pea soup. You hate split pea soup. Let's eat some cookies instead. So the My moral kind of, of this story is vegetables are gross. Eat cookies instead. I'm next. on board with that. That's All fantastic. Right. So the yeah. next story is called The Flying Machine, which it's a cute story. It's um, George is trying to fly away in what looks like a hot air balloon, except mm -hmm. there's no actual mechanics to make it. 
Uh, yeah, I'm not sure how it actually blew up in any way. It's like they tied it off at the bottom, like yeah. you do when you blow up. Yeah. <laughs> it's just and, and he's, like, he's trying to go away, but he's not moving at all. And Martha says, well, maybe the basket's too heavy. And so he climbs out, and then the basket flies away. <laughs> and he says, well, there goes my flying machine. And she goes, that's all right. I'd rather have you down here with me. Aw. That's Aww. sweet. But to be fair, yeah, you wouldn't want a hippo in a hot air balloon. This just sounds like a bad idea. So it ends with... Friends are better than flying. Nice. Isn't that nice little That's nice. Moral? And you know what? Not sappy. Now it gets creepy. Wait, what? Now we get to story number three, the tub. <laughs> this <laughs> is so... Oh, Wrong. It starts off with saying George was fond of peeking in windows. Yeah, that's... That's that's uh, not a good way to start a, a story. A, this is a pre-Me Too story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So it starts with him, with him saying that he's a sleeping Tom... Or peeping Tom, right? Yeah, that was, that was an old-fashioned term for it, yeah. Yeah, and then he decides to peek in on Martha. To be fair... She does just wear a skirt sometimes, but... Yeah, but yeah. she is naked. But she is naked in a tub. This is her house. It is her house. They are in two separate houses. That is correct. He's peeking there into her bathroom. There is a reason bathroom. they don't live together. Yes. It's it's awful. And it's then she catches him and promptly puts the tub, the entire clawfoot She's tub... very on strong. top of his head. Which is the pro- the appropriate response, quite frankly. She says, we are friends, but there is such a thing as privacy. That is completely true. And I'm like, get it, girl. Yes. Thank you. Absolutely. Martha. Yes. Yes. It ends with a Me Too moment. She also has, like, her brush up. Clearly, with it on her head, she's about to start pounding at it with that brush. I hope she does. I think she is. Anyway, at that point, I was like, okay, not a big fan of George. Hmm. And, And then this fourth story, The Mirror... Still, he's not really becoming my favorite. He's not, he's not your preferred so, hippo. No, he is uh, He's becoming my least favorite hippo. Interesting. So Martha loves to look in the mirror. Yeah. And sometimes in the middle of the night, she'll turn on the light and look at herself in the mirror. To be fair, she's a very attractive hippo. I, <laughs> As hippos go, I mean, you know. I mean, it's harmless. Like, sure. Sure, she's vain, but she's, like, not hurting anyone. No, no. It's her, if she wants to stare at her own house in her own mirror... Let her do so. Yeah. Well, apparently George was tired of watching Martha look at herself in the mirror, so he drew a picture of her on her mirror, and she thought that she was looking at herself Mm -hmm. and and was exasperated, and he goes, that's what happens when you look at yourself too much in the mirror. And she goes, then I won't do it ever again. And she didn't. Oh! So the man wins because... Seriously, he did. Yeah, he did. I mean, it's supposed to be an anti-vanity thing, Look, I'm sure. the woman might be vain, but she makes you food. Yeah, that's true. And she doesn't spy on you during your private mm-hmm. moments, so let her have her mirror. <laughs> exactly. What an... Oh, oh. Do not... I forgot that. he won that one. But... I, usually she's keen. But... Oh. She came back? Fate... No. Oh. Fate, fate is a fickle oh. friend. Justice. So the last story is... The tooth. Oh, the tooth. Yeah, so George, one day, he's skating over to Martha's mm-hmm. house. You know, there's flowers, like a bouquet of flowers that are, like, up in the air when, yeah. he, when he trips on the sidewalk. Seems to indicate he was carrying them. Yeah, so maybe he was, like, sending them over to apology, apologize. Apology feathers, yeah. Yeah, but I doubt it. Okay. So, <laughs> maybe he just bought them for himself. Right. <laughs> Pretty flowers for me. Maybe he's going to eat them. May, so, he he's like, so he's skating along, he trips on the sidewalk, mm-hmm. and he breaks his front tooth. Yeah. His 
favorite too. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you around, poor thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, I feel so bad for you. <laughs> so he goes over to Martha's house and he's crying. He's like, I look so funny without my favorite tooth. And she's comforting him because she's a good friend. She is a good friend. So then he goes to the dentist. Who's also a hippo. Who's also a hippo. Is there is there a little flame? And there's no flame, but oh. let me tell you, there's a couple, uh, well, first, here's the named character. Oh, that, oh that's his, his name. His name is Buck, Mc, Buck McTooth. Well, boy, he was kind of doomed to have that job. That he is, name. well, he's the doctor of divinity because it's DD, not DDS. <laughs> so. All right, so he's gone to a sainted hippo. He went to, like, a pastor for, the like, pastor his... for. His this, tooth. This may be his second problem, yes. Yeah, uh, Reverend Buck McTooth also does <laughs> dentistry on the side because, you know, it's, you gotta make your money somewhere, oh, I guess. You gotta name something Reverend Buck McTooth in the future. It's weird. Why would it be DD? I don't know. So it could be Darkwing Duck. The dentist suggests giving him a gold tooth. So he gets this gold tooth, and Martha, she's so sweet. Yeah. She knows that he looks like a pimp with his cane and his gold <laughs> he tooth. He does look like a pimp. But he she, just needs a really big furry coat. But she says, you know what? You look so handsome and distinguished. Not like a pirate. And he says, you know what? That's our friends are for. They always look on the bright side. They always know how to cheer you up. And she says, but they also tell you the truth. She says with a smile. So I like how it ends with Martha saying that friends tell you the truth, and the book began with him being afraid to tell the truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so oh wow! It's like a for a little easy book there, that's a circular. Uh, yeah, circular little notion. It's, it's all about it all comes together. Martha being the better hippo. Oh, she between is the better the two. hippo. Yeah, I mean, which is reinforced in the other books in the series. I wasn't sure which stories were in this one because I tend to get there's a big compendium of all of them, which is what I would tend to read to my kids. So you can just, like, plow through, like, George and Martha story after George and Martha story. There's one where he has scared her, and she's like, well, I'll get you back. And he's like, okay. And then he lives in terror for days as she does not get him back. <laughs> Until three story like, stories later, when she gets him back. And you have yourself forgotten about the fact yeah, she was it's, it's She's so smart. She's so smart. <laughs> but, you know, it's just what it is. So James Marshall, you know, clearly written by uh, a guy who had a sense of humor. You know where they do that thing and they say, like, if you could invite three people to a dinner party, mm-hmm. who would it be? Mm-hmm. And and he's one of my three. Oh. Uh, dead or alive, I, I guess, is the stipulation there. Because right. I, don't, I don't really want to have the corpse of James Marshall sitting right. at a dinner party. I mean, I could. It'd be a, a talking awkward. piece. It'd be a little awkward. I mean, he wouldn't say much, but... <laughs> he would, he, that's what you call a talking piece. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, but it would be him. Uh, Trina Sherrod Hyman, who did the art for Herschel and the Hanukkah Goblins. She Uh was apparently a hoot. Um, I haven't figured out who my third one would be. I was thinking Shel Silverstein, maybe? I don't know. I go back and forth on that one. He wouldn't, he wouldn't do so well in the Me Too era either, but, uh, he might do okay. Who knows? Hmm. So anyway, that's my, that's my, yeah, I'm I'm working it out. If anyone has any other suggestions, uh, email me at fusekdata at gmail.com. So this came out at number 48 on the top 100 picture books poll. Okay. Just above the halfway point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I could totally see that. Yeah. Which I think is a pretty healthy showing. Yeah. Uh, considering he made many, many books during his lifetime, and George and Martha was, was but one of them. They were republished as easy books, which is to say simple to read books in a, in a specific, you know, that, that kind of format that we've, we've seen before with Are You My Mother and Go Dog. 
Go! Right. Which is how you pronounce it. Uh, if they were published today, they would undoubtedly win all the Geisel Awards for easy books that are out there. I mean, there's only one. It's called the Geisel Award. But okay. they would win them. By gum. <laughs> they would win them. So Maurice Sedak was a buddy. Oh. I mean, these guys were all gay. And in an era when it was not a Maurice okay Sedak to be was gay. gay? Maurice Sendak was super gay. Yeah. Oh. Did we not cover that before? No. Fun fact. Maurice Sendak was gay. Good to know. Uh, yeah. Didn't really come out until later in his life. I mean, he he probably came out personally, but it, it, the fact did not come out. And he loved James Marshall and uh, outlived him, Oh, maybe it came up under the when we did the Miss Nelson episode. I, it may have, yeah. to a certain extent. Yeah, because yeah. now it's kind of ringing bells. Well, I believe he died of AIDS, uh, as yeah, did yeah, yeah. Arnold did Nobel. And yeah. Yeah, yeah, we talked about that a little bit. So, Sendak says this of the man. He says, With his first George and Martha book, James was already entirely himself. He lacked only one component in his constellation of gifts. He was uncommercial to a fault. No shticking, no nudging knowingly, no winking or pandering to the grown-ups at the expense of the kids. He paid the price of being maddeningly underestimated, of being dubbed, quote, zany, an adjective that drove him to murderous rage. And worse, as I saw it, he was dismissed as the artist who could do, or should, or might do, worthier work, if he would only dig deeper and harder. The comic note, the delicate riff, were deemed finally insufficient. Hmm. He won no Caldecotts. Oh. Not a single one. However, when he died, he got something. <laughs> uh, he got what we call now the Legacy Award, um, which is for lifetime achievement in children's literature. So that's pretty good. So you can talk about that at your dinner party. Absolutely. Yeah. So how about that Legacy Award, eh? <laughs> Why is he making noise, Kate? Because when the gases come oh, out of the body. Oh, but that means and... he just died. I don't yeah. think there's Dennis's left in him at this point. He died a while ago, man. Um, Roger Sutton, when he got that award, by the way, said, uh, Marshall conveyed a world of emotion with the placement of a dot or the wrinkle of a line. In both his drawings and impeccably succinct texts, he displayed a comic genius infused with wit and kindness. I mean, they are simple. Yeah. Exceedingly so. Yeah. To a certain extent. Yeah. There's not a lot of details in the background. No. It, you got the Buck McTooth DD. That was pretty cool. I'm glad you found that one. That's like the only detail really of uh, in the <laughs> background. That was the that's, only one. This is going to be the shortest Instagram post of all time. So here's the tooth and here's the... Well, you can, yeah, you can show the pimpin' picture. The pimpin' picture, that's a good point. I can do the pimpin' picture. Wait, Are there any tattoos on. I can do? And you want to no. have Buck McTooth on your left shoulder? No, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> if you, if, you know, if you change your mind, let me know. I do like that their pupils are, their eyes are so close together. I think that's cute. I do like that. And that they're just dots. Yeah. Yeah. But he, they can look shifty if he does like a straight line. Oh yeah. When she's angry. Yeah. Like she, she has the downward eyebrows. Yeah. So. The downward eyebrows. Very expressive hippo like And that you eyebrows. can put that on the Instagram of her hitting, she's going to hit oh, the yeah. tub, which is going to make that dong noise. It's definitely going to make know, the and, and then he's going to. Looney Tunes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's totally true. Actually, I have a friend who's trying desperately to publish a beautifully illustrated biography of his life and his work. Uh, so if anyone wants to publish a book about one of the seminal GLBTQ American artists of the 20th century who was funny to boot, uh, I have a friend who wants to write that book. Go buy it. Thank you. Just wanted to put in that plug there. All right. All right. Ratings time. So when you said this was number 48... 
You said number 40. 48. That is what I said. Yeah, I gave this a rating of 5 because I figured this was right down the middle. It's a cute book. Some of the stories are definitely better than the others. And as I said, I imagine there's like a lot of these. But for these particular stories, I would give it a 5 because some are cute, some are awful. The drawings are fine. They're not like exceptional. They're they do their job. Well, it's... I think they're they're misleadingly simplistic. I think it is very hard to apparently he would redraw these paint these drawings like over and over and over hmm. to get them exactly right. Even though they look very simple, he had to get them exactly right. Hmm. So yeah, I, mean, I, I gave it a five. I'm like pretty down the line. That's fine. You know, I was going to be higher before our talk. I was going to be more around like a 7.5 or something like that. But the, the Me Too-ish thing with the peeping down has not aged as well as yeah. it might have. I and, mean... Like, and let her be who she wants to be in her own yeah. house. Like, with the mirror, too. Like, why do you have to go into her house, draw on her mirror, and make her feel self-conscious? All right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to slip from a 7.5 to a 6.5. <laughs> but it's still a classic. Yeah, it's, it's still, still a classic. classic. All right. Yay! <laughs> it's still a classic. In spite of the peeping Tom. Okay. Letters time. Okay. Okay, so, uh, oh, my ears and whiskers. Uh, what just happened? How did the pokey little puppy end up the most contentious episode we have ever done? Because it's an old book and people love it for the wrong reasons? Precisely correct. Um... <laughs> I'm sorry, but all the letters that we got about it are going to be what I read this episode. Uh, and, and what's interesting to me, though, is that they do sort of look at the book through different lenses. So we're going to begin with the defenders. Emily was the greatest defender of them. Um, she didn't have a problem with us. She didn't like the Slate article that I linked to. Uh, she, and she defends certain points that we bring up. And she clearly listened to the episode. Because sometimes I post the show notes on my blog and people don't. They haven't listened to the episode, so they don't right. know that I, that we don't like the book. Right. So we get a lot of people who are just like, I love the pokey little puppy. I'm like, don't listen to the episode then. <laughs> um, but she clearly, and very early in the morning, I have to assume, listened to it because she said, amongst other things, I believe that rice pudding has a distinct sugary cinnamon smell. Which is what I said. Sugary smell. Sure. That's that was mine. Well, she said the caterpillar wasn't actually huge in the book. We knew that. We knew that. I mean, it was just how the weird design of it was. Yeah, because it, it was all smushed together yeah, in the book. Yeah, exactly. But, but I it, really wanted the caterpillar to eat It really is more interesting that way. That's what I'm talking about. I mean, it, could, it, it doesn't take how many puppies have to be It could there. be a really short children's book. It's not called the pokey little puppy and the five other puppies. It's pokey little puppy. Right. There could be four. Or three. Or two. It's <laughs> a really hungry caterpillar. <laughs> Uh, she says, uh, dogs can read in the imaginary world of books. Yes, I know you know that. I'm just pointing out that children get that dogs don't normally read, and that is part of the appeal of letting them read in a book. The crazy grammar with double negatives is, again, part of the appeal, especially when reading the signs dramatically out loud to children. And then she points out, lots of books of this era are extremely racist and sexist. Maybe the pokey little puppy should earn some extra points for not being so. That's not a bad point. It, it was one of 12... Well, there's no humans in it, so... Oh, but, oh, but they can... Well, now, if you made the it book takes some about... creativity to be racist when you have not only animals, but it can be done. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Depending on the animals, I guess. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Um, you know, and other of those original 12 golden books, I'm pretty sure there was at least one book in there that was... Not on the up and up. I have nothing to back this up with. People are going to be writing in like, how dare you, madam? But <laughs> let's just say this. There are little golden books out there that are uh, racist. 
I think that's a fair thing to say. Uh, she concludes with, I get that it's fun to gently mock outdated references and values in children's books. The Golden Books are full of this, including several about mommies and daddies and their accepted roles. The Pokey Little Puppy is much quirkier and even inconsistent. That's why it is a good book. <laughs> I'm not convinced myself, but 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 people are allowed to love the things they love. Sure, so you're allowed. Go for it, you're man. allowed to have your opinions. We're exactly. allowed to have ours. It's all good. Uh, Mary Zisk wrote in. She said, "My childhood favorite, primarily for the yummy, gorgeous illustrations, then the roly-poly refrain, and those puppies, too cute with their chubby bodies. Fantastic illustrators of little golden books like Tengren, Garth Williams, and Fyodor Rojanskovsky. I'm sure I pronounced that <laughs> completely accurately. And others inspired me to become an art director." whose greatest pleasure has been working with illustrators. Hmm. So who knows? That's See, that was like, but that was one of the things I didn't like was the illustrations. I didn't care for them myself. They were but very my type of art but, yeah. is different than I'm what I'm with you. I, that he's not is, my so. kind. But hey, it made an art director out of her. So that's, that's something. That's some good that came out of it. I love, I love Yuli's response, maybe the most. Um, she says, how about supervising your puppies so they won't dig under the fence, sign writer? This is not so hard. Be a competent pet owner. <laughs> she then proceeds to tell a very sad story about how she got her poodle. Um, her neighbors starved and neglected him. And Aww. eventually she had, was able to adopt it Aww. herself uh, and take care of it. But it's, it's so clearly this book struck a nerve uh, in Aww. some way. And there's a great uh, children's literature scholar by the name of Anita Sylvie. She wrote in. Oh. She said, ah, the beauty of being an old critic is that you have heard it all, but so glad you are looking again. I doubt she'd heard the wily coyote argument before, uh, our thoughts, or the smell of rice pudding point before. Right. But I understand that many of the points that we brought up have probably been brought up by other people and will probably be brought up by other people again, since this book seems to show no sign of stopping in its popularity. Okay. Grown up things we like. You go first. Okie dokie. I found a new science podcast, because apparently that's now my thing. Uh -huh. um, and this one was recommended by another podcast. Uh, it was recommended by Stuff You Missed in History Class, and I don't usually take the recommendations of others. But this one sounded interesting. It's called Sleepwalkers. Uh -huh. And basically, it's about AI and how the machines, like our cell phones and the internet and everything, how, how reliant we become on these things, how we can't just sleepwalk through our lives with them because they are changing us, they are being used to influence us by outside forces. What are those outside forces? Really interesting, fun, inventive stuff. It talks about all the new stuff that's coming out with robotics, with cyborgs and humans, basically, and, and all sorts of just really neat factors. So highly recommend it. Uh, great people working on it called Sleepwalkers. Okay. Yeah. Mine, <laughs> mine's so silly. Okay. So, you know, Funny or Die, they do like a yeah, bunch of... Yeah, I love Funny or Die. So Funny or Die has yeah. a show with, you know, the comedian Tig Notaro. Oh, yeah. So Tig Notaro is a comedian. She got very well known for uh, doing stand-up comedy yeah. about her cancer that she got. And then like a... She had a book too, I believe. Yeah. And she had a TV show. Mm -hmm. And so, well, she now has this show called Under a Rock with Tig Notaro. It's like... Seven minute episodes. Tig doesn't know famous people <laughs> at all. So that's oh, she's why... like the you of famous people. 
Why? You don't know picture books. Exactly. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So she so she has this show where famous people come on and she's like, everyone, please welcome this person. And they come out and she has to guess their name um, and their like starring role or occupation. And uh, there's like an episode with James Vanderbeek, Melissa John Hart. Um, These would be hard. If Wolfgang you Puck. You know, it's awesome. Yeah, White Clef Jean. I would not know Wolfgang Puck if he walked in a room. Well, it's funny because I was like, she's like, so, what do you like? <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and the celebrities love it because I bet they do. Because they they're so like, rarely... you don't. Oh, uh, Julie Bowen from Modern Family. She plays the mom on Modern oh, Family. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And so there's only six episodes um, that I. Has she ever like run into one she did know and it just. <laughs> Yeah, you know, like disqualifies her. Uh, if they do, they don't record it. Right. They probably are just like, oh, sorry. Yeah, but it's it's very funny. And then by you know they'll give her clues to mm-hmm. try, and then she'll like try slowly put it together, and then she'll be like, oh, I th- I I remember that show, or I remember hearing about that show, or I think I've heard your name, or yeah. So I where is this found? Uh, YouTube. YouTube. Just, just YouTube under a rock with Tignataro. T I G is her first name. Notaro, N-O-T-A-R-O is her last name. I really want to watch it. And they're like seven-minute episodes, so yeah. Check Good it out. Good recommendation, Kate. Thank you. Very nice. It's what happens when I get bored and look on the internet. That's okay. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. Yeah. All right. So, well. Goodbye, George. You're, you peeping Tom, you. Can I tell you that I know someone who dressed up like Martha uh, for uh, the Newbury Caldecott banquet one year? She dressed as uh, dressed up as a hippo. Well, no, she wore a gray shirt for the top, and then uh, a skirt, and then she had a flower behind one here. Oh! And if you got it, you got it. But if you didn't get it, she looked just perfectly nice. And then if you wanted to look like George, you have a gold tooth, a hat, and a cane. That's right. <laughs> Yo, look like an epiphany. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, I've been Kate. No, you. No, been... wait, I'm not. No, I'm Kate. You're, you're Betsy. That's a lie. You're Kate. I'm Kate. I'm Betsy. Bye. Fuse 8 and Kate is a Fuse Number 8 production. You can reach us at FuseKate8 at gmail.com. You can follow our podcast on Twitter at Fuse underscore Kate. You can follow us on Instagram at Fuse8Kate. That's Fuse number 8, Kate. Follow us on iTunes and rate our podcast if you're so inclined. Our music is by Haddon Kime and our Reverend Buck McTooth is Drew Atienza. Fuse 8 and Kate is a creation of Kate Ramsey and Betsy Burke.